Hello, I'm Paul Scott, and today I'm joined, delighted to be joined by renowned investor Richard Crow. Hello, Richard. Hello, Paul. Better <laughs> um, given my Cockney name as well, Cockney Rebel, as many people Oh, Cockney Rebel. Yeah, yeah. so um, I haven't really prepared an intro, but for people who don't know you, I mean, you're uh, a spectacularly successful private investor, and you've got a big following. I've followed you for years, and I know you get an awful lot of situations right. Obviously, we all make some mistakes, that's inevitable. But you've got a nose for for finding the winners and turnarounds. I mean, first question really, Richard, how do you how do you spot uh, these shares that you so consistently seem to get right? I, I like, you know, I, I followed the old Jim Slater principle for a lot of years where you, you, you know, you buy on these 10 sort of principles for Zulu, you know, with a good balance sheet and uh, all the all the PE and the peg and all this sort of stuff that he says, and that worked quite well for me. But I suppose probably about eight or nine years ago, I started to spot a lot of recovery plays that have done well. And I'd seen news and it'd say, oh, you know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing quite well now. And, and you think, well, that, that's, that's the sign to buy them. And I go and look and, and the stock was already up 100% or, you know, 150%. You think, how did anybody else spot that before I spotted it? I did a bit of back testing, really, and sort of seeing what these companies did and what they said um, prior to any uh, sort of good news coming out that would make the market move. And there's, there's quite a few little clues along the line where you see like director buying and charts changing and stuff like that. They always sort of give me a clue that we're at the bottom here and we've got a new board. If there's a new board in there and these things are happening, it's often a, a good time to take a real deeper, closer look. So uh, of late, I've already gone a lot for recovery plays and uh, I seem to be able to sort the, the wheat from the chaff most of the time. Don't get them all right, definitely not. But as long as you're getting getting more than uh, you know 60, 70 percent right, then uh, you you're a, a winner really. Probably don't even have to get that many right if it's a if you find a ten bagger that covers a lot of other ones that goes bad really. So it's uh, it's probably a higher risk principle, higher risk way of working, you know, sort of because you know the balance sheets don't mean an awful lot during a recovery play. If you buy a stock that's was sort of three quid and now it's 10 pence. Uh, the balance sheet's probably not going to look that great, you, you know, so no matter what you see. So you've got to do a lot of, uh, take a lot of stuff on trust and a little bit of hope as well and just that feeling, I think. And uh, there's a certain line of clues that I get that I think give me a good, good lead. So that's the way I, I tend to work a lot today. Yeah, and obviously the last year it, we've really gone from uh, feast to famine, haven't we, with the markets yeah. and the economy generally. How have you coped over the last year, and what's your current uh, market outlook? Well, you know, I've been quite lucky. Uh, I've escaped this fall quite quite light, really, because I had uh, Menzies right at the beginning of January, which, which had a takeover bid and, and doubled the price. I mean, that was quite a big holding. You had about 6% in that, so... Uh, that, that boosted the portfolio quite a bit. And I've got a big a 10% position in Shuzo, which has doubled over. Oh, right. Time. Yeah, that's that's been a, a real standout winner this year. Yeah. So those two, those two couple together have sort of, you know, batted off a lot of the bad news. So we're, we're mm. sort of spoken quite a few people I talked to are down around 20% like the market over the past year. I've probably mm. got away with, I've probably got away with sort of like 9%, 10% up until a few weeks ago and then. The last few weeks has been really good. I'm probably, I reckon I'm probably about four percent off my all-time high. So, Blimey, that's incredible. Well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
there's, there's some luck in there involved as well, you know, and I've sold a few bits, and I've, got, I've been hit by a fair few things like everybody else, but those two being big positions definitely sort of looked out along the way, and uh, so that's helped me. And in the last week, I've had a couple of good, good hits, so... Uh, Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's starting to... Quite a few things are rebounding and holding the rebounds, aren't they, at the moment? I think it's too early to, to draw conclusions from it. But what, where, what's, what's your view on the current market? Well, I've been telling them on Twitter that I think the market bottom was bottoming around now. You know, I think this is, a, this is a market bottom. How big this bottom will be, I don't know, but I think it's different to any of the, the past little excitements that we've had where you think there's a bit of a spike. There's several things that have happened in that the chart bottom is a bit more rounded than mm. previous ones. I think we've got, you know, oil's come down 15, 20%. It's probably at 15% now or something. Copper's off 30%. Wheat's down 30%. Uh, US natural gas is down 30%. Container prices are down 30%. All those have got to flow through to inflation at some point. And I think a lot of investors are factoring that in now that you know, we've probably got over gloomy with oil in $120 or so, and people telling me at the time, oh, oil's going to $200. Well, I don't think oil will go to $200 because as soon as it gets to about 140 everyone thinks there's going to be a recession coming and nobody wants to buy oil if there's a recession coming. <laughs> so it's got yeah. a self-leveling self, uh, sort of thing to itself that if the oil gets so so high, then it's, it's strangling its own price by creating the risk of a, a recession. So... I know we've got to go through this winter yet with Russia and what goes on there, but I don't know. The way the market's changed just recently, I've been saying that I think the market's bottomed and it's it's come good so far at the moment over the last few weeks or so. And uh, how high it goes, I don't know. You know, you never know to afterwards. Do you? you see these things, is it the bottom? You sort of, oh, no, it's up 10%. Is this the bottom? And you, you're not sure. And before you know it's up 20%, you think, oh, well, that was the bottom, but I missed it. And uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, You've got to be in there playing a bit, but you've probably got to be careful as well at the moment. So, so are you keeping some cash back on the sidelines then? I'm nearly ninety. I'm, I'm about ninety percent invested at the moment. Probably, probably getting oh, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah Gosh, that's, that's pretty bullish, isn't it? I mean, you're <laughs> you're pretty well. You're very shrewd. So, it's, uh, I, I was I was expecting you to be a lot more cautious than this. This is uh, very interesting. Shrewd or stupid, I'm, I'm I'm nearly all in consumer stocks as well. So, well, that was that was in consumer stocks. So. Yeah, this again really surprised me when you sent through the list of uh, tickers of companies that you wanted to talk about. They're nearly all consumer stocks. So, can you give us a bit of sort of overview on that, and then we'll go on to the individual companies. Well, I don't think I've ever seen consumer stocks so beaten up in all the time that I've done. I've done shares professionally. Twenty twenty three years I've been doing this now for a living, and. Yeah. I sit down and look at some of these consumer stocks and I think, you know, the, the BBC and the press have absolutely, absolutely doomed and gloomed us to death. And, and I think <laughs> when, the, when the public is so depressed and so fed up with hearing it, no one on Twitter is talking about shares. You know, I post something and a year ago, it was all sizzling, wow, you know, this yeah. sucker's going to fly and all that sort of thing coming back to you. And, <laughs> and all, those, all those calls have gone, everyone's depressed, Bitcoin's falling, all the traders have, have had enough. Not all of them, but, it, you know, the... the vast majority of them bad enough. It's so quiet. And when things yeah. are quiet, that's the time to be buying shares when people are not interested, I always think. So you've got to be mm. contrarian. You've got to have, you know, back your own faith. And uh, I've been done this a lot, of time, a lot of times. You know, in the past, I've sat there and sat on the side watching, thinking, oh, no, I better not. And then you sit back and think, well, I knew that was going to happen, but I didn't, you know, go in as much as I did. So yeah. I think this time, I think I've got, 
confidence in my own ability and, and a bit more confidence in what I do now. And I, I'm back in my own ability and uh, hopefully it comes right. So yeah. uh, and yeah. that's where the money, that's where the cheapness is, I think, in, at the moment in, in consumer stocks. You know, I'm looking at works today. It's on a, a PE of 4.5 pound, a 5.5% yield. We've got aftermarket cap in net cash. And I'm thinking, what is going on there? They've just said, you know, they've said they're going to do, they're going to do well. They're, they're, they're going to meet market forecasts. They've, you know, even with the container prices going up, they're going to do that. The, the director bought shares yesterday. Uh, mm. You know, a lot of it is these, these fund managers. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're slaughtering the, the stocks themselves. There's a couple of sellers in, in works. I think Jupiter's one and Canaccord's another. And uh, it seems like their policy just suddenly they spooked a year ago and said, that's it. Let's get out of retail, you know, and consumer stocks, and they've they carried on. And now I just sit there and think, maybe they'll regret that now, you know. Maybe they'll just think, oh, you know, we've we've done the wrong thing and bought at the top and sold at the bottom. But yeah, you know. I mean, I was talking to a city broker earlier this week who said to me, the problem now is fund redemptions. Quite a lot of these fund managers are now seeing, you know, these people cash in when everything's crashed, don't they, very often? Yeah. And then they put the money in when the market's boomed, so they do it the wrong yeah. way around. So some of these fund managers apparently have got sort of open-ended sell orders just in with the brokers because they have to raise cash. They don't want to sell things. No. But isn't, are you not a bit worried about that? Uh, it, it's a problem, but I think it's pro- a lot of it's priced into the market. I think once people like, you know, which phrases yesterday, you know, the, the, re- the bounce on that 24% rally on a, a trading update that said, you know, fantastic things about going forward. Which, um, sorry, uh, which, which stock was that, Richard? I didn't catch the name. Phrases. Phrases. Mark Ashley's old uh, sports director. Oh, Phrases. F-R-A-S. F-R-A-S. Yeah, that was incredible figures, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, you know, so I bought in in the morning. I had a quick read, wait, wait for it to open up and bought in the morning. When I yeah. saw the shares started moving, the more I kept reading it, I just kept thinking, wow, this is a class, this is a mm. class statement. And, uh, of course, you know, I think you hold them as well, maybe, shoes on. They did exactly the same. They said, they came out and said, things are great, you know, it's a, a model very similar to Lashley's, and our, mm. their results are going to be 30% higher than expected. So, there's a lot of companies out there that are doing okay. If you hunt around and find them, it's just making sure you're in the right sort of place, I think. Yeah, and the other thing, I, you know, I like Shizone a lot. I don't hold it personally at the moment, um, but that's more from lack of funds than uh, lack yeah, of conviction. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, with Shizone, the interesting thing was for people who were paying close attention, you could work out from the previous trading update, I think it might have been in, back in May, that they were going to smash the existing forecasts. Yeah. just by comparing the numbers with the prior year and looking at the broker note. So it was actually, it was all set up to, to beat the forecast, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah I think to, a lot of people missed on that as well. It's like the, mm. the early split, they're normally 15% H1 and 85% H2. Yeah. So like with six, about six pence earnings in the first half, they should put in, in if, they, if they come in the same earnings split as they've done in past years, <clears> they're probably, you know, they could, Easily do over 30 pence earnings this year, but of course, broker forecasts seem to be double the H1 and add a little tiny bit and yes, that's right. on the cautious side. So that's yeah. what they're doing today. Brokers are not really working for their money, they're just playing cautious and hopefully, you know, giving everybody a so every, everybody mm. a boost. So there's that built into these share prices as well, I think. A lot of broker forecasts which are a lot weaker than uh, the truth and uh, just yeah. to be cautious. So. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of my key themes at the moment in my morning reports is 
to really sense check the broker forecasts. And you've got some companies where it's just a straight line. You know, they haven't changed the forecast in about 18 months, despite the fact that they're in a bad sector. And you just know there's going to be a profit warning. Yeah. Whereas for other companies, you can work out that the broker forecasts are too weak, can't you? So yeah. that's the key yeah. bit of research to do right now, isn't it? Yeah, I think probably, you know, they're probably doing a lot of people a favour by not letting the, letting the public have their broken out these days because you're only misguided by them. So, you know, yeah. it, you know, it'd be nice if we all had the, the same sort of guidance as these big funds didn't mm. get from uh, the, the brokers. But uh, in all honesty, yeah. I, I really don't pay attention to what the brokers are saying anymore because I just don't know whether I can believe it or not. And in most cases, mm. I can't believe it, really. Okay, interesting. So that's Works then. Any further points on Works? I, I think you've covered all the main ones on that. Uh, no, uh, yesterday Singer came out and they said that Waterstones had had a fantastic time because of this book talk. Have you seen this book talk? No, what's that then? It's uh, on TikTok. They've got some sort of uh, some sort of thread or, or something where people uh, discuss books that they've read. And it's oh. absolutely bonkers. And people are all buying books again to read... Uh, you know, reignite their love of love of reading. Yeah, are taken off on BookTok, and so where these reviews are done, that you know, companies like the Works are, are getting, uh, are probably doing really well out of BookTok. They've got a mm. BookTok page on their, their their site where you can buy the books that are reviewed on BookTok. So, okay. uh, um, and you know, Stones apparently are doing great. So Singer came out and said, you know. The market's missed this as well because mm. the chairman bought, I think the chairwoman bought 75,000 or so yesterday. Yeah. From a confidence. So we'll see. There should be, uh, September should be the results. And uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds good. And Bloomsbury Publishing um, said something similar about uh, that they think the appeal of books is, was, wasn't just a blip in the pandemic and their, their shares are doing. Are you on that one, Bloomsbury? Uh, no, I'm not Bloomsbury because it. They never buy any shares. They, you know, I've looked. I've gone back about ten years, and I can hardly find a share buy by the by the directors. So, oh, okay. I see directors buying a bit, and, and all that time they talk the talk, and share prices yeah. never really performed that well. But no, you know, like, like you say, Waterstones were saying that the book sales at the moment are up to up to levels they haven't seen since Harry Potter uh, series. Ooh, so, interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. And then we I think we covered Shoe Zone, but were there any more yeah. points on Shoe Zone that you wanted to update us on? Mm, no, not really, other than other than, you know, it's run by a couple of good good guys that actually started at Smith Brothers and they uh you know, they they're shrewd guys, they know what they're doing and they're, it's exactly yeah. the same model as the Mike Ashley, you know, they're getting out of shops, moving into big warehouses and you know, the the, the rental the, the property companies are paying the paying most of the cost of all this move and that they just use the same amount of staff roughly in a great big warehouse instead of a shop so that the margins increase even more. Mm. And it's 60% product margin, so, you know... Yeah, it's very good, the margin there, isn't it? Returns, yeah. yeah, internet returns as well, you know, 9%, you know, boo-boo and that mm. will die for... Absolutely. 9% returns, but, you know, yeah. having, a, having a shop structure, people can just pop them back to the shop or, you know, do it that way, it's much easier, quicker, they get their money mm. quicker, so... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm really, really a fan of that one at the moment. So I think you're right. I mean, I've I've looked at Shoes in a few times, and it's I think you're onto a winner there. So I, I like that one as well. Um, should we have an update on Card Factory? Because this one I'm not convinced on. But you, do you still like it? 
It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Richard. I mean, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I get a bit of flack from some of my readers saying, you know, oh, you know, if it's a conviction buy for you, Paul, then I'm going to avoid it or even short it. <laughs> you know, you've got to you've got to roll with the punches. It's fair enough. Yeah. Given. But 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 now is the, now is when the opportunities are, isn't it? I think particularly with some of the these e-commerce businesses now, selectively, they look ridiculously cheap. Yeah, and it's you know it's a sander. I'll be totally honest. I doubted that one. That the women in there had no sort of retail experience. They came from the fashion industry, didn't they? So I was always like thinking, do they are they going to know what to do? Are they going to be up to it? And uh, not because they're women, of course, just because they're you know they were background. Yeah, yeah, they're from right. They're the right right people, women for this job. I I think do really well. But they, they were just from the wrong background and. They've proved me wrong. I've been quite surprised that our world has done. Okay, they've had to raise a few, few quid here and there along the line. Yeah, there'll be more fun. more placings than originally planned, but there won't be yeah. any more from now on, I don't think. No, it don't look like it. And so I've, I've taken a small little position in in uh, Sassandra and, and in Quiz. It's not they're not big positions. They're only just things to keep the the stock on the screen and make sure that I don't go and miss yeah. when they start to happen. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think they're both. Quite interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, I looked at In the Style, which was um, a sort of Me Too fast fashion e-commerce yeah. business that, that floated. And I mean, it's more than I think it's either double or triple the mark. No, two and a half times I think the market cap of Quiz. But it's smaller and it's losing money, whereas Quiz is bigger and more profitable. And and it's got a store network that are all on turnover rents now, really, really low rents. So yeah. I, I like Quiz, uh, and it's on its way to being a hundred million revenue business. For a market cap of about 10 million quid. Yeah, well, um, and ASOS have both, you know, been clouted, haven't they? And so everyone sort of thinks, oh, you know, because the big boys have been walloped, these small ones are going to be struggling even more. But I'm not totally convinced that's the case. I think a lot of these yeah, small, right. small companies are more, more nimble, and they yes. can they can they can change without having to sit down and change a huge infrastructure that, that sort of ASOS and Boo's have got there. And uh, mm. you know, especially Quiz having having stores is, you know, that sort of you want to be omni-channel, really, today, if you can. You want a bit of everything, don't you, so that you can... Yeah. You know, whatever I mean, the market moves, you can, you can move with it, so... I think that's right. I mean, I, ha- I normally have a quick phone call with the CFO at Quiz every six months after results, and, um, <clears throat> you know, he doesn't tell me anything that's, that's, that's inside or anything. It's all in the RNS, but I might... You know, I don't normally have time to read all the narratives, so it's, he draws out the key points. And he was saying they're doing something to their computer systems to integrate the warehouse and the store stock holdings so that, um, you know, if they've run out of an item that a customer orders online, they can just direct the order to a store to post it out from the store, which I yeah. thought that was really uh, interesting, the uh, omni-channel of actually combining them rather than being separate channels. I think that's quite promising. Um, over time, I've sort of learned that you know they, they say Britain's a nation of shopkeepers, but they're mm-hmm. very they're very adaptable and uh, people retailers are one of the most adaptable businesses I've ever come across. You know the amount of the amount of hurdles they come up come against during the normal course of trading, and yeah. they adapt and they change and they do things. And then before you you know look at next down at four p when it's four p, where is it now? It was, <laughs> you know how, they, you know, how things yeah. can be turned around and how how companies can can you know re, reinvent themselves? It's it's amazing. That's why I like the sector so much. Really, you know, it's 
they love them, they hate them, they love the game, and mm. you know, just, that's uh, just the way, way the, the great British retailer is, really. I, I think that's one of the things we do really well, retail. Yeah, yeah, fair comment. And one that you uh, were right to steer clear of, and I got wrong, I seem to be getting everything wrong at the moment, is uh, Jules, J-O-U-L. What's your latest thoughts on that? I think it's been totally clear of it. I was buying them sort of like uh, a year or two ago. Uh, I did get out of 160p, was when I decided that that, uh, I'd had enough at that point, because I'd, I'd read all about Nick Jones. He came from... it been involved with George and Marks and Spencer's and he sounded like the real deal but uh, in all honesty the £20 million warehouse they bought there is just uh, oh crazy it's, isn't it? a, it's, a, it's a madness so you know it's totally unneeded it's right down to the little uh, insect insect, uh, insect hotel yeah but yeah, the thing is with it the thing is with Richard I don't think it's even a warehouse it's just a head office yeah, because exactly. I looked at the photos of it online and there's no um, there's no turning circle or parking area for lorries. Yeah. It's just just cars there. So this huge sprawling site yeah. is literally just for the designers and the buyers and the accounts people. It's crazy. Yeah. It's all. Uh, I think it's all. Uh, I'm disappointed really because I thought they had. You know, when they started buying the garden trading, uh, that looked like a good business, and they've got that friends of jewels on the website. That, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's, there's some good breeding grounds there for a lot of new small businesses that they could possibly take over if they have the if they yeah. have the wherewithal and so see because they must be seeing how these little small businesses are going from their own trading data that comes through to them and and exactly, uh, yeah. the opportunities there to pick up lots of small businesses on the cheap if they if someone wanted to sell up so that seemed like a really good idea to me but I, I don't know Tom Jules I think he's a bit of a character maybe and. Mm. He's a big shareholder and, and probably too much of an influence there still. And I think they need a, they're waiting for a new CEO, but I think he needs to be out of the scene as well and let someone independent there run the business now. Mm. Yeah, it's such a pity because that Jules had so much going for it, even sort of a year or 18 months ago. But they've just mm. messed it all up, haven't they? It's terrible yeah. management, supply chain and logistics they just don't seem to be able to do. Do they blame um, so Pippa? I know they're blaming Pippa, and Pippa seems to have done well for every other retailer other than them. So, I know. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I'm at a loss. So I, I decided, see, I, I, I nibbled back in at about 50p, 45p, and then mm. I looked and I thought, oh, I don't know, BlackRock have sold like, uh, dumped a huge amount here, and I just thought, you know, this doesn't feel right here still. I need to see some director buying. There ain't been no director buying, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's no sign. There's no sign of a turnaround yet. I jumped the gun on this one. I went. I could see the potential. I mean, this is this is a major multi-bagger if they turn it around. But I, I went in too early. And um, mind you, the most recent update was the bank has extended the facilities until almost Christmas. So that that takes the heat off for a few months, I hope. But I mean, yeah. I. I I mean, I mean, quite a bit, a bit of statement than I've seen for a while. The last statement, but they really yeah. need to be, you know, you got to be, you got to be safe there. There ain't going to be another. I mean, uh, funding come up there at some sort at some point, and you. I think they'll have to do. Up. I think yeah. they'll have to do a, a, a ten or fifteen million raise, maybe more. Yeah. But the trouble is, as well, I get an email from them every day offering fifty percent off pretty much everything, and you just think that means they've got no pricing power. Yeah. And Right now, pricing power is the biggest thing you need, isn't it? It is. Yeah, pricing mm. power is really good at the moment, and uh, if you've got that, you're uh, 
you're ahead of the game. I think uh, mm. Doc Martin is, is one that I like. And the, the pricing power there, they've just put their prices up 10 quid a pair of boots. Have they really? And, and they're, they're expanding all around across the world. And uh, I think that's a great company. Kenny Wilson, uh, I watched his presentation, he's the CEO. And uh, mm. Mason's the chairman. They come from Levi Europe. And they ran that for ages. And, and they're really impressive when you watch the, the webcast of them. And they're, they're, they're expanding into Italy, Italy first now at the moment. They're, they're out in America, and they're mm. going to do it in these countries all what they've done in the UK. There's a massive, massive amount of world out there for the top mines to expand into. And the last trading update was fabulous. And you watch okay. their presentation, and they are so confident. And, you know, uh, you know they look like good old boys. not sort of like sort of, sort of uh, directors' presentations that the city likes. They're, they're not in suits. They're in t-shirts and yeah, and having a laugh. And they're they're very confident. And I've read Wilson's profile, Kenny Wilson's profile. You know, he's nearly a footballer for Aberdeen, or I think it was a professional football for Denver. Didn't do that. He's a very humble guy. Very uh, knows his background and uh, he knows his stuff. I think he's, he's really impressed by him and, and the FB there. And I think they're. Uh, They've got massive pricing power at this stage of the game. They really have. So, and everyone's wearing Doc Martens. So, uh, men and men and women. I've gone in every shop and I see all these women with Doc Martens. I don't really? know whether. I don't know whether they're going to kick me kick my head. In. <laughs> Isn't it the risk that it might just be a fashion fad though? Yeah, you know, I'm not. It's gone. Out. How long? How long Doc Martens have been going for so long? Many, many years. Fashion, yeah. fashion thing now, in it, but. I think uh, some of the things they're going into sandals as well, and they can't make enough sandals. They've said, you know, they've started doing sandals, and they should have made lots more of them, really, and they just can't mm. cope with the demand for sandals. So, oh, interesting. Uh, well, thanks. Going on the website and watching the, the presentation on there. Yeah, I'll do that. Thanks for flagging this, because I, I, I haven't looked at it for... I looked at it when it originally floated, uh, I think 450 or something like that, nearer five quid. I just thought, no, this thing's way overpriced. But it's come down a lot, and I see, looking at the chart, it's got one of your famous bowls on it. <laughs> yeah, that's a lovely curve bottom on there. I'm just waiting to, yeah. waiting to uh, sort of get away, and uh, I, think the, I think the next trading update will be pretty good. They, I, I think they said expect, expect sales to be up like 18%, and uh, Gosh, a, lot of that, a lot of that's going to be through inflation price increases. And the forward mm. P is only just over 13. You've got a dividend mm. yield of 2.3%. I think when I last looked at it, the PE was well over 20. So it's, yeah. uh, it's come into a sort of range where, yeah, I'd be when quite floats, interested in buying. Yeah, when it floated, I looked at it and I thought, no, nah, too dear. But then when it come down, you know, I actually I bought it further back. I bought it. There was a, pri- there's a private equity that's got a big stake and they dumped a load and everybody sold out on a private equity crowd sold and they've still got oh, a big stake but they hit the bottom and then because everyone was expecting a big warning that the private equity knew something that we all yes of course yeah the, the update come out and it's fabulous they've done exactly what they said on the tin mm. and uh and they're still doing it and uh if it was if it was cheap to a lot of people at double this price you know it'd probably be cheap to when it gets back there as well so uh yeah you know that's what the great thing about recovery plays or or you know sort of stocks that have been hit you can look back at the chart and see where they were and what mm. people were prepared to pay at any certain time. And if they can improve the earnings from where they were then, you, you think to yourself, well, there's a real good chance they get back to those previous highs. So. Yeah, with, with the caveat, of course, that we have to check the number of shares in issue. They've not diluted. Yeah, no, I don't think they've diluted. I think they're, they're, they're pretty good as far as dilution goes. I don't go into these yeah. 
And I see it's up, Dr. Martin's, this is DOCS, is up uh, about 50% from a recent low in May in the last quarter. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for thanks for flagging that one, Richard. That's really good. Um, shall we move on to Foxton's? This is a new one I think you've um, looked at recently. Tell us about that one. Uh, Foxton's, again, recovery play. It's, it's not, well, it's not really a recovery play. It's just drifted down and down and down, run by a CEO that's a bit, uh, shall we say, lifestyle, uh, lifestyle CEO that seems to have been all about... Uh, you know, snowflake is accused of snow, a snowflake uh, snowflake culture there at Foxton's, and right. you know, he, yeah. the shares have drifted down and down, and there hasn't been any dilution until recently. I think he wanted to uh, raise, raise a lot of shares to pay, and it was to pay director bonuses. Oh. And um, the, there's been a George Soros is in there. There's a company uh, investors called uh, Catalyst, and also. Uh, the the guy who's who's just announced that he's got got himself two uh, percent in there, and he's written a letter to the company. His name is uh, let me he's, he's one of the biggest investors in the uh, biggest wealthiest investors in the Middle East. It's Shasim Al Siddiqui, and uh, he's bought two percent, and he's written to him saying that they've got they, they catalyst said sell the company. We, we want it sold or, sold, or you've got to turn it around urgently. And yeah. uh, Soros is in there. I think he's agitating too. But Sadiqi wants Al Sadiqi wants uh, wants them to re, re, redo the business. Get they've got a new board in there and, and and sort of turn it around rather than sell it off. Because selling it off is way too cheap. And I, I think yeah. selling it off they wouldn't get the money they the in share shareholders want. But the real thing is they've got a new CEO coming in. He's named Guy Gittings and he's from Chestertons. He was originally mm. at Foxton's, and he has got he's got a track record that seems to be second to none. And they've oh. poached him from Chesterton's, which are doing really well. And uh, they've got a, the, the chairman's a new guy from Hamptons. Uh, his name is uh, Nigel Rich. And then they've got a four, t- uh, the guy Gittings comes in in September. In the meantime, we've got Peter Rowans, who's a former Foxton guy who's come back, and he's right. a temporary CEO. There's massive ball changes there, and this guy getting seems to be. I've watched his video on YouTube, and he's congratulating the staff at Christmas during COVID. And they were the only company that managed to grow their earnings, grow their sales one percent during COVID. And the whole video, as shocking as it was, he didn't mention any about about the health and safety of the staff or anything. It was just about we've hit targets, well done, and uh, that that pay right pay cut you had, we're going to reinstate it. That was all it was. It was just, it was just financially, you know, it was all about finance. He, he, he looks a pretty ruthless guy to me, and he's been there, seen it, and done it. I think he was, he was selling one of the big properties in London. And he was the only guy that managed to get the job to sell it for. I think it might be Savills, one of the big places yeah. he was. But it's a new board, and it, it, you know, they, they're urgently trying to get this turned around. So the results are next week. Yeah, probably worth watching out for the results on Thursday and see what gets said, but. It's yeah, the but there won't be any. Presumably, there won't be any signs of turnaround as yet in the results. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Or? I don't know. They, they, well, they've actually got rid of. They, they, they bought a company and then they sold most of it straight off the chain, and they just kept the letting part of the company. And they've got oh, yeah. the lettings part, so they're going much more into lettings, which is, which is where the money is. Really, you think about it. Yeah, so let, let, letting business out, let, you know, doing lettings for people. You're uh, 
you'll get fifteen percent a month for mm-hmm. in perpetuity, really, until you until you lose the contract. Yeah, and that, that's far better than just selling one house and it's gone, and then you've got to find somebody else to sell the house. Mm. So, uh, and then at the end of the day, when the, when the, when the letting ends, they, if those people sell the house, you get that sale anyway. So, <laughs> so being at lettings is far better in London, I think, than uh, than actually actually holding, you know, doing so many property sales. So they're moving far more into lettings now, and I think that's going to change the business pretty fundamentally with a new board in there. Because yeah, Chesterton's, Chesterton's are pretty smart, and they're trying yeah. about book according to. Uh, stock, I think about 38 pence is the, the book value, so they're mm. roughly around that sort of price. And uh, I think it's yeah. the one to watch for recovery play that one. That's a good, that's a good idea. I like the sound of that because um, in the past I've dipped in and out of Foxton a few times because I think the balance sheet's quite solid. I think it's got net cash, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. And, and the growth in lettings, as you say, I like Belvoir lettings, another stock, BLV. Yeah. Uh, for the same reason, um, but now as a natural catalyst for something to improve, I'll, I'll look at Foxton's again. So yeah, thanks yeah, for that, Rich. The, the ball change is the catalyst there, I think. So yeah, uh, might, sounds might good. Yeah, and then I travel down. This is a really interesting one, um, which I quite like as well. I don't hold any of these personally, but uh, CDGP. So this is That's the it, Kent yeah. Vineyard, isn't it? Talk us through this one, Rich. Well, this is quite amazing because. Uh, I sat there and watched these shares go down and down and down. And a couple of weeks ago, they came out and said, things are doing, doing really well. We, our net assets are higher than what the book value is, of, mm. not considerably higher than the book value of 90.5 cents. Then again, they've got a new board in there. The, uh, the guy who started the business is sort of retired. Uh, one of their major investors was uh, Michael Spencer, the, the Tory treasurer. The, uh, oh, uh, yeah. 1.2 billion he's worth, I think, and he, he seems to have been invested in there well. They've mm. got a completely new board in there, and uh, the reason for the share price fall seems to be two funds. Mm. Uh, when I spoke to uh, spoke to the company, I, it seems to be there's been two funds in there. One has been the full seller, for the fact that the fund was being wound up, yeah. and the other the other fund has got a change of strategy. So the the share price has come all the way down from. Oh, I don't know. It's way, way high. It probably is up around for a chart for a minute and have a look where they actually were. But they're, they're miles higher than this. They've been over a pound. Yeah, they were a pound in 2018, weren't they? September 2018. Yeah, 30p now. Yeah, peaked just yeah. over a pound in 2018. Yeah, so they've plunged all the way down there. And the directors have been piling in. The CFO's bought about uh, 800,000, I think. And some of those were just a month ago at 42 pence. Yeah, a million of forty-two pence, and it seems like the only reason for the share price fall has been these two funds actually trying to get out of the market and uh, offload the shares. Two million, two two million trades went through last week, early last week, yeah. so about, and uh, it seems to have cleared the overhang. So okay. it's something I like. They're doubling the size of the business, and uh, I think they they're looking to you know as far as earnings go, increase the earnings greatly as well, and because these vineyards. You start buying these up and you plant them and you, you've got vines there. You've done something for another wine company down the line that takes quite a bit of time. You know, you have to plant the vineyard. There's three to five years waiting for them to mature before you get wine from them. And I don't know, maybe some of these French companies, if they, they want to get into English sparkling wine, they're, they're, they might want to come in there and, and buy someone like Chapel there. But I wouldn't wait for that. I think the, uh, the, the, 
their sales, Chapel Down sales are rising at 30%, while champagne sales are falling 20% here. And yeah. they've only got 2% of, they've only got 2% of the total sparkling, sparkling wine market. So they've got spirits and they've got rid of the beers side of the, side of the business. They had a placing a year ago at 60 pence to raise mm. funds. So they've got plenty of cash. I think they've got about 6 million in cash. And uh, they're expanding the business. And I think, you know, it looks to me like that's one of these situations that happen in markets like this where funds dump the shares just willy-nilly and uh, once they stop, there's no shares about for anybody to buy and everybody suddenly wants them then when there's no shares around. So, Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's quite good this. I looked at it myself in on the 6th of June, small cap value report, and it was 30p, and I thought, actually, this looks quite good. Um, the only thing is, obviously, people always say, don't they, the main drawback with the business model is, is what you touched on, that you have to buy the land, plant the vines, and wait 10 years. And yeah. then, so, so it ties up all this capital that's generating no return, really. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, it's all about doubling the size of the business by, by 2026. So uh, hmm. they've, they've bought these, they've bought these uh, pieces of land, they've planted up the vineyards, and uh, the, the, real, the, the two real snag, snaglets here are, you know, they can be hit by weather. Last year, the weather wasn't good for... The wine, so obviously that you know they, they had a full harvest last year, and that it, the profits it. So it could be lumpy earnings a bit, but if, if yeah. uh, earnings are way higher and they're, they're lumpy, you can live with that at this sort of price. For, yeah. for, you know, and the the other thing is it trades on Aquis, which is uh, what used to be cross markets exchange, and it's not very liquid uh, and very visible. Although Sharepad are going to start covering it. Covering level two on it in in three months' time, but you can go into they can go into ISO, they can go into your SIP as well. So there's no problem with that. It's just Aquis that trades on AIM is is the uh, is the exchange that they trade on. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, very engaging chair uh, uh, directors. You know, if you want to talk to them, they're very open to to you know listening to what you've got to say, and they want to engage with shareholders. Make a bit like Naked Wines. They want shareholders to become. Evangelists for the uh, yeah, for the but they sell. That's a good thing, you know, they, yeah. Yeah, you you promote your own. A bit like Telecom Plus, you know, you're, you're promoting your, your share owning, and I suppose most people, if you buy shares in them, you're going to say the wine's nice, whether it's oil. Well, well, that was that was going to be my my key question on Chapel Down. I noticed on Twitter you had a bottle of the fizz from them. What did you think of it? Did you enjoy it? Oh, I liked it actually. It's nice. Yeah, yeah that, the fizz is good, isn't it? One. Yeah, I'm going to say that anyway, aren't I? Because I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice. It's very dry, and uh, it's my sort of cup of tea, really. I've, I haven't tried their, the, the the real one they've got is Kit's Coty that comes from Sussex, oh, and uh, that's their that's their real award winning one, which is, is uh, you know sort of uh, the one that the one that will. A lot of people will be after it's a, it's a dearer one, and uh, yeah. they've got some other brands in that. So I, I just happen to be in Marks and Spencer's, and that bottle fell into my trolley uh, what <laughs> or Karen Wilson looking. And, yeah, that's uh, been the afternoon tipple for a, for a day. So uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I bought a bottle of it to try and the Gusborn, uh, which is also stock market listed. Yeah. I bought a bottle of those, but the Gusborn was about thirty quid a bottle, I think, for the fizz, and the Chapel Down was twenty quid a bottle. Didn't, I wasn't bowled over by either of them. I think you can get a bottle of Carver for 11 or 12 quid that's better. So uh, isn't there a risk they're just kind of a novelty thing, English wine? I don't know. The, the, the Gaspon, I bought a bottle of theirs, uh, Blanc de Blanc. We had it in a local restaurant. And mm. 
that was that was sixty quid a bob, and that was that was that was lovely. That really was, was lovely. Yeah, I, I, you know, sort of, you know, I was impressed by the whole cop. Another bottle here, went to open and try it, and uh, mm. you get thirty three percent off as a shareholder of Apple Down. So most well, reform comes through, I'll be sending off a few cases from there of the, the different lots and doing some market research, which you know, it's a rotten job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> and, uh, Very good. Wine's a personal taste, isn't it? When people drink wine, you know, I drink a wine and say, sort of, oh, it's lovely. Karen has a glass, and she's got, oh, it's like vinegar. And yeah. uh, whether you like dry wines or whether you like sweet wines and stuff, so it won't be to everyone's taste, but, you know, like they're, they're, they're being, uh, they're sponsoring the English Cricket Board and Kent Cricket, and they're sponsoring uh, various sport, you know, English sports things. And, there's a lot of these youngsters today, you know, if they're, if they're environmentally conscious, what are you doing buying a bottle of champagne at a load more money, shipping it all the way across to here, when you buy English champagne, yeah, English sparkling wine, which is, which is as good, probably even better in some cases, and uh, mm. cheaper, and it's less less destructive to the environment. So there's, there's a mm. good e- ECG case to, uh, you know, to, to put there for buying their, their, their wines as well, so... Yeah, no, sounds good. I think I think you're I think you're onto a good one with Chapel Down. I wasn't convinced by Gusborn just on valuation terms. Chapel Down's about four times the size. It's I think it's already profitable as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah it could make strong sense. balance sheets. Yeah, I think with a, a better year, better year for the for the for the vineyard. So I think they'll probably do yeah. a lot better. So uh, Gusborn, yeah, too expensive for me at the moment. I agree. Nice. Yeah. Um, let's finish off with Zar, X-A-R, the printhead yeah. uh, thing. I've never seen the attraction to this one personally, but I'm sure you can talk us through it. Are you still keen on this one? Yeah, I love Zar. I think uh, it's, they've got, a, they, they make printheads for the inkjet printers and they've got technology which is better than any uh, any other technology around at the moment. And, and their, their new aqueous head, which actually make, is uh, like a water-based ink that they can print with. Mm-hmm. And that that releases pretty soon in the next few months, I think. And it's a game changer because it not it doesn't use oil. So all these businesses that are printing with oil-based inks uh, polluting the atmosphere, whereas a water-based ink won't be polluting, dries quicker, mm-hmm. so it doesn't use as much energy. So it's a it's a absolutely no-brainer for lots of lots of businesses, and they seem to have a lot of orders for the aqueous. All oh, right. They're going to carry on making printheads for. Stratasys, who bought the 3D business out, so they'll have sales of that going to Stratasys. But literally, these guys came in and took over Zart, and they just went to the covers, and there was tons of technology just sat around not being used because they oh, were pursuing right. they were pursuing this thing called thin film technology, which was absolutely draining millions for the company. All their about 120 million, uh, 120 million pile of cash, and they just mm. went way down to. About 20 million, 80 million developing this thin film, and they're still tens and tens of millions away from developing it. So they've literally said, "That's it. We're, we're going to cut that, cut that out. We're going to take what what we've learned from that so far and use it elsewhere. And uh, we're going to focus on things actual, you know, businesses want. And all, the other thing that the company did as well, they they started selling to uh, instead of just selling to OEMs, they were selling to third parties to sell to sell parts and because the OEMs were saying well we want to be able to sell the parts you know you, you, you're letting anybody sell them and if we're buying the heads and everything from you we want to be able to sell the parts as well so the change of policy there and uh, we're only selling direct to OEMs 
and all of that is sort of uh, it's fantastic for, for for going forward. I know it's probably you know you've got the results coming out there in a couple of months, and that'll be the interims, and it'll be interesting to see you know what they say about Acres going forward, but. Uh, it's exciting, it's exciting to stop. And they're the last independent inkjet printer head in, in the country, in the world, actually. Nobody mm-hmm. else is independent. They're all owned by Kyocera or Sharp or all these big Canon and all the big companies. And, and they've got fantastic technology. So at some point, they're going to get taken over. I don't know when, and I wouldn't buy it for the takeover, but I just think that their, their technology is, is fabulous. And, and, you know, from past history, when they had 100% of the ceramic ceramic tile printing business. You know, if they just get part of the wide, wide format printing and, you know, they can do raised inks and they use eye viscosity to print raised inks, which other companies can't as well. They've got a technology for their printheads where they don't get blocked. So competition would have to completely change their head. And that's it. So it's a bit technical. I'm a, I understand it a bit more because I used to be a graphic designer, so I sort of understand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Inject printing and... Uh, a bit more than I do any other technology. I'm not really into tech. But this one is, you know, I happen to understand it. And I think that John Mills, the CEO, is, is a really clever guy. And he knows what he's doing. So, yeah, it's worth worth watching that one closely, I think. No, thanks for that, because I wouldn't have picked any of that up from the uh, figures. So, uh, no. look, look, looks potentially interesting. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, we've run massively over time, but it doesn't matter because it's fun and it's interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, any any um, any others you want to finish off with, Richard? Uh, mm, I don't really think there's anything. No, oh, well, we've mentioned phrases, haven't we? And uh, yeah, as far as the small cap area goes, I think I've I've looked at most most bits and pieces there with you. So. Uh, yeah. Oh, what about what what about Greg's? I know you've liked that a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. I think they've. Just calling up the chart. Have they come down in price? Yeah, they've come down a lot from three pounds thirty peak in at the beginning of this year down to twenty pounds a share. Sorry, thirty three pounds. I meant uh, now just under twenty quid a share. Any thoughts on Greg's? I do like Greg's to be honest. I think mm. a really well well run company. And uh, Roger Roger Whiteside, who's left, he was the CEO and. Uh, he was very clever, but I think probably the, the board that's in there now have been well, well groomed into into doing what he used to do. So I think yeah. the, the two things that put me off for a while is the, the price of energy racing up, the price of wheat racing up. Oh yeah. Them, what do they do? You know, everything is energy and wheat, and I'm thinking their margins must get squeezed. Mm. Uh, but they're, they're doing a lot of things like longer opening hours. It's three Gregs in hours, but everywhere I go, I can get to a Gregs within about two minutes. So it's. Yeah. Uh, Yes, that you know that, that's a great thing that you know that they're always there in your face, Greg. So, you know, if we don't. And it's such it, good. It's still good value that stuff, isn't it? Even with uh, some price rises having gone through, yeah. I think. Sausage rolls at a pound or whatever that they do, yeah. or just over a pound now maybe. But and they do that vegetarian sausage roll as well, or vegan sausage roll, mm. which is really popular. Everyone likes Greg's. You know, it's easy to knock them, and uh, it's fattening. You know, junk northern food like, but. Uh, <laughs> It's not, is it? You know, everyone. I think everyone's a secret. Greg's, Greg's. Yes. Like, they just want to go own up about it. They all want to pretend they're on team war and avocado. Yeah, it's fuel. I think, isn't it? It's just, when you're out and about and you just get those hunger pangs. I don't know about yeah. you. I just head for a Greg's just for some cheap. 
fuel to keep me going, you know. <laughs> you don't even have to hit them, do you? You just, you just smell them from about 200 yards away. <laughs> that, that, uh, you know, the pastry and everything. And the coffee's great as well there as well. The you coffee know, is great. amazing. Yeah, coffee yeah, is they, a, a great. Greg's and McDonald's, I think, is the best and, and the cheapest coffee. Yeah, and uh, I think they won't, they won sort of, you know, out of all the coffee people, Greg's seem to come out nearly tops on, on lots of Yeah, I think things. you're right. The taste of it yeah, is, is exceptionally yeah. good. Yeah, because yeah. he was from, he was formerly Whitbread, old uh, Roger Whiteside, so I think he knew uh-huh. what he was, He definitely knew what he was doing. The biggest, mm. I think the biggest uh, duff up was when Whitbread sold Costa Coffee, and they mm. could have, the, the money they got got for that, they could have bought Greg's and kept the other for half the money that they got for Costa. <laughs> and then they could have bought Greg's and kept the other half of the money. And it would have been one of the most fantastic investments, I think, mm. to just uh, replace Costa with Greg's. And uh, they never did it. They just they, they got other plans. So, but, yeah. Uh, go to independence still. So, yeah. whatever it last, I don't know. But I, I like Greg's. <laughs> I think they're class act. And there's a lovely little bowl formula at the bottom of their chart at the moment. I was so, just going to yeah. say that. Yeah, I spotted that as well. So, we, we next time we speak, you might well be back in, Greg's then. I'll have to do a bit of market research. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Great. Steak well, bakes, I think. Yeah, they're not bad, are they? Uh, no. They're not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, we'll probably better wrap up then, Rich, and I'll get this up on my website in the next hour mm-hmm. or so. Thanks so much for your time. I, I, you're always full of interesting ideas, and I think your market outlook uh, surprisingly positive i think i'm encouraged by that so uh well, i'm a perma ball remember so anyone listening remember i'm a perma ball and i'm never never always right i get completely things wrong and it's only my view it's not uh you know i'm not making any recommendations about all that oh right. good point i forgot to do the disclaimers yeah it's just views. Rec- you know, yeah never recommendations views. do no, your own okay. research yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Richard. I've really enjoyed chatting to you, and we'll do it again in a, maybe a few months' time. Yeah, love to. Oh, love. Great. Thanks. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Richard. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.